Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. This show is about philanthropy, entrepreneurship, positive thinking, and humanity. A show that'll help you make that decision when that hour is upon you. Our guests share some of their experience, expertise, and their stories during their decision hour. You get to hear what they're doing today and how it might help you here in the near future. My guest today is doing the same things, doing great things in the Heroes community, and I'm going to bring him on here in just a moment. First off, I need to give a huge thanks to Heroes Media Group, all of the great shows and sponsors of the network. To learn more about Heroes Media Group or how you can become part of the HMG family, simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Now, my guest for today's episode, I'm excited. Uh, I've been following this guy for a while, and uh, I'm going to bring him on right now, Mr. Doc Collins. Doc, are you with us? Good morning, Adam. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Listen, first off, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to talk to our listeners today. How are things going? 100%. You know, um, I make time for what's important, and right now my mission is to support uh, the military community, the veteran community. Uh, in fact, Patriot Heart Media, uh, which we'll get into, it says, I'm bringing healing, hope, and understanding the military family. And so this is my military family. So good morning. Love it. Absolutely love it. Doc, let's jump right in. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, a little bit about me. Um, let's see. As, as it relates to the military, I joined the military later in life. I was self-employed for 15 years before uh, I even thought of putting on the uniform. I turned 30 at basic training. Uh, so getting a little later start uh, than my drill sergeant even. Uh, so that was humbling. That was an experience. And um, I navigated through an Air Force household. Uh, happy birthday belated to the United States Air Force. Yes, indeed. Um, my, my, my father preached it uh, to my brother and I our entire upbringing. It never took. Uh, when my brother was of age, he was five years my junior, he joined the Marines Ooh. straight out of high school. So uh, I watched him from afar. Um, I was in fitness. I was self-employed as a, as a fitness trainer. I uh, began in the subjective world of uh, teenage bodybuilding. So I looked strong, but my metal had yet to be tested in life. Um, it was just about looking strong. And so uh, when life started coming at me, I had to prove uh, what I had inside me as a you know, DNA, you know, to, to tackle those challenges. Um, moved into entertainment. Uh, did television professional wrestling as a craft for three years. Um, if you remember MySpace, they found me on MySpace, offered me a tryout in, in the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, did that for a few years. And then it was actually watching my brother transition out of the Marines um, and the struggle that uh, he was overcoming that helped motivate me to, well, it led me to that decision point. Uh, for me, the first of many decision points um, to actually don the uniform and put my physical ability to use in a service capacity. That's really cool. So you're a per personal trainer, or you were working as a personal trainer for many years. So really what what, yeah. what got you into a uniform was, was your brother as he was transitioning out. I witnessed the classic story that we see in our Facebook feeds all the time homeless veteran, um, raising money for this, um, 
you know, or on the Instagram feed, I quit my job. Those losers don't know how to do it right. Um, you know, the, the classic frustration of not having that professional and personal traction that many are lacking when they take off the uniform and, and transition back in the civilian world. Um, yes, that was, a, that was an enormous motivating factor watching that struggle. Yeah, I got to tell you, that's something to, and it really is something. So what branch of service then, when you decided to don on the uniform, what branch of service did you choose? So I went Army uh, as a combat medic. Um, it was actually the suggestion of uh, an Army officer in my small men's group at church. Um, he had known me for a few years, and he was like, look, man, you're, you're physically able to do uh, the job. Because you've got a, a different kind of personality, you know, coming out of entertainment and, and, and hospitality. And I was born in Williamsburg, Virginia. I think we started hospitality, um, you know, at least here stateside. So he said, you know, why, why don't you go uh, 68 Whiskey, which is the combat medic route. He said, you can transition into uh, different avenues of medicine if you like uh, very easily. You can go as, as high as PA school or be a doctor. Or you can be an EMT and get a job on the outside. He was already thinking about my transition after I got out um, from the get. You know, he was pitching me. And so I chose Army because it, it fit my family goals at the time. And it really matched up. When I read the, you know, the, the Wikipedia and the postings online about, you know, what, a, what it meant to be a 68 Whiskey, um, that really was attractive to me. And so when I told my brother, who at this point was... Um, just it, it was just in it as a civilian uh, selling cars I think at the time he was unhappy he was out of shape again um, and he laughed he was like why don't you just join a real you know branch of the service and be a marine like me and I looked across the table at him I was like look man you're not you're not fighting for freedom or you're not fighting diabetes or anything right now so take a beat and let me do my thing I got this I'm your big bro remember so Army was the answer. My father just rolled his eyes. He said, if you stay in, if you go in the Air Force, you can stay at the Double Tree. If you go in the Navy, you're going to be at the Holiday Inn Express. If you go in the, in the Army, you're sleeping in a tent. And it was that. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I remember those days. A lot of the tent stuff. A lot of the tent stuff. So, Doc, you, you're in the military. You do your, how, how long were you in the Army for? Six years. Six years. Talk about your yeah. trans. Talk about your transitioning out of the military, and what the atmosphere is like as you started to make that transition, and what you decided to do. Did you stay in the medical field when you got out? So, like I said, being self-employed for fifteen years before, honestly, as an entrepreneur, um, I see myself as as a I'm a purebred entrepreneur. You know, I grew up selling glow pops, cutting grass. I, I bought a couple lawnmowers, moved them out to my friends so they could cut grass for me. Um, I was, I had an envelope system. I knew where my money was and what I was going to do with it. Um, so I had a different perspective going in and definitely planning to come out. So my six years in service was actually part of my personal sacrifice. I know a lot of people you know, talk about sacrifice in their varying degrees, but mine simply was putting myself kind of on a shelf and, and everything that I did for the army was selfless service because I was used to being only self-serving. Um, 
when I realized that I had an opportunity to go back into my world, um, the army was foreign to me, you know, as, as being a, an entrepreneur where you call the shots on your time and you either make it or you don't on your own back was a real shift because listening to a 26, 27 year old drill sergeant tell me I didn't know about life. He could barely keep a girlfriend. And I was married with two kids at the time. I was, uh, I was tested when it came to the <laughs> submission to authority. Um, you know, I, I often among my uh, senior NCOs and officer uh, peers was asked, you know, how far are you going with this, Doc? You, you're going to become an officer. You're going to you know, finish your school, and, and you sure you sure need to be an officer. Or we, we need to see you as a sergeant major. So they saw me as as higher because I handled myself and conducted myself in a way that wasn't like my peer group at the same rank. Right. And so when I heard those challenges, it was tempting, I guess, to stick around. But I was also very self-aware. And when the opportunity came for me to roll out, I'd given the, the army plenty of opportunities to keep me in. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't bulk at it. So I began planning early ahead of time. I, um, went to the Raider project and gallant few military transition seminar hosted in Wilmington, North Carolina on 4 April, 20. 16. Yep. Last year. Yep. I attended. I attended that. Took in as much as I could. I shook hands with uh, greats in the entrepreneur veteran world like Randy Hetrick, um, uh, Rocco, Vincent, uh, Rocco Vargas, who is on fire right now. He's got the, uh, the Mayans uh, spinoff from Sons of Anarchy show. Um, he's got the uh, Vinnie Rock podcast. He's doing everything that people say they're going to do. Um, I have a fortunate opportunity to be uh, associated in business with uh, Condition One, a phenomenal entrepreneur, Matt DeMeo, uh, up in New York, who introduced me to none other than Rudy Reyes himself, who has taken me in like a brother and really been a phenomenal voice uh, in my life. So then you throw, you know, the spearheads of uh, Carl Monger, of Gallant Few. Oh yeah, Carl. And 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 Nick Kumalatsos, uh, of Raider Project. Yep. Just phenomenal humans. Just great humans. And um, I can't thank them enough for their uh, checking up in, uh, on me and making sure that you know, my my transition is going well. Um, when I attended the first ACAP classes or CAP classes for getting out of the army, I realized very quickly that they were not preparing soldiers for real life they weren't doing a, jo- a good job at all and uh so i, I got on the phone and i i called down with you and, and wound up getting carl carl helped me personally in my transition stuff so i was blown away i was really humbled that he took the time and made it sound so easy for him he's one of the busiest <laughs> humans i know yeah but he really did take the time for me and i was so grateful uh, he believes in his mission and uh, oh. I think he got that I did too, yeah. and that helped. Yeah, through and through and through. Gallant Few is an organization that we've worked with. Carl is a, is a close personal friend of mine. He actually does a show on the Heroes Media Group Network called the uh, the New American Veteran. I believe he's got a book coming out this week as well. Um, Very excited. Yeah, and and Carl is it's just hands down. He's he's actually one of my mentors. Somebody that I look up to. 
uh, myself. So it's, it's, it's definitely a privilege to, to call him a friend. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that he takes the time out because I've seen him in action. So it doesn't surprise me to hear what you're saying about him taking time to really help and check up on you and, and whatnot. So it, it, it does not surprise me at all because that's that he's he's known to do that. Um, and, yeah. clear, and clearly it helps. Oh, yes. I um, I would not have had the aha moments along the way that have propelled me in the direction that I'm, I'm headed now. Um, very practical. You know, karma is practical. That's one of my favorite quotes. And Carl Monger is practical. I could use that just as a yeah. synonymously. <laughs> um, so when I recognize, we're going to transition uh, in the story of the transition, when I realized that the suggestion of a military family life counselor uh, that I was consulting because family life, uh, relationships, not easy. Um, another sacrifice along the way of my time in service. Uh, my first marriage, my, my wife of 10 and a half years, the um, fantastic mother of my two amazing sons that are now six and nine, uh, Titus and Maximus. Nice. Um, that marriage um, was one of the spoils of war, so to speak, when it comes to military life. And um, I consulted a um, military family life counselor uh, in, in the throes of my second marriage. And he said, hey, look, man, if you, you got the workout thing down. You can work out your frustrations in the gym, obviously. This is, but um, you got an artistic outlet for your unmet expectations, your romantic ideations, your unmet expectations, that kind of thing. And I was like, what do you mean, like, writing love songs like Taylor Swift I'm not mad at my exes I just gotta work this stuff out and they're like well man if you can sing great but if you could just write it down that's where you need to start um, so I did and very quickly Adam I realized this was moving from an exercise into a real therapeutic practice and it was forming fleshing out a book and then I realized this is gonna be like a five book run so I gave myself to the study of self-publishing. I, uh, I hooked my horse up to the cart of Tim Grawl, who's uh, an author mentor to over 100 authors that have reached the bestseller uh, status in their genres. And um, I submitted myself to the Chandler Bolt self-publishing school. And this is about, about the same time, like I'd started writing when I got to the, sen- the transition seminar. But very quickly after I realized that's my thing, at 35, I realized it's my jam and I'm a writer. And uh, it's interesting to find out that I'm more brains than brawn uh, this late in the game. So you, okay, so you start writing. Give me, give me the background on this. So you, you, you just start writing. What was the first book you wrote? Yeah. What was, or what was, the, what was the first story or blog or, or what was the first thing you remember writing? So I, I see it very clearly. Um, it was a man and a woman, a woman coming into a home that was being prepared um, for her from coming in from exercise. She came in from exercise, was greeted with um, the smells, um, the feel of a cozy, loving home, a supportive home, and was met by a man that was happy to see her come home happy that she was able to exercise and take the time for herself but happy to greet her and then share um more than a moment but to 
to really be part of each other's lives. And it started there. It started in the, in the kitchen. I'm a foodie. Um, food is a, is a, maybe the sixth love language. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I communicate that clearly through my writing um, descriptively because I enjoy the act of service. Um, quick caveat. The moment my first wife left, I found myself in the barracks for the first time ever as a 32, 33-year-old um, with nobody to serve. I was in a barracks room by myself. And so when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm coming home to nobody, my heart was in a, a weird place. And so I started baking and uh, I was taking care of the drunks at night in the barracks. Uh, I was taking care of the CQ staff with uh, cupcakes and, and muffins and baked fresh bread and uh, making French toast in the morning for the recovering alcoholics. It was, I had to do it. I had to serve. And so that's where the, the writing began. And very quickly, their stories fleshed out. And I realized that I was both characters. I was the male and the female, different aspects in this scenario. And then I gave them names. And then I gave them backstories. And then I tied in people who had shared very, very intimate parts of their life with me into their reality. And then it came to the point where the characters in my book were just as real as somebody that I could call in my phone. Well, I was just going to ask and, you, uh, I, I was just going to ask you, Doc, where do you, where do you get the ideas from the characters and stuff like that? And, and, and you kind of touched on it right there. It's like sometimes you'll take some people that you come across and take their story and implement it into these, your your books or, or, or through your writing. Is that safe to say yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I gave the female uh, protagonist in the story, the, the military perspective. I figured we had enough GI Joes saving the damsel in distress, that kind of nonsense. Um, and so I gave her that perspective and shared it with a super civilian, somebody, uh, a, a male who is a B-list celebrity athlete in entertainment and in sports, who is a major league baseball hopeful, and then um, opens a physical therapy practice in Richmond, Virginia, a city that I love um, back home. And uh, I have woven my own story into the framework of those that are closest to me. Um, I'll share that in the first book, 1300 Hours, um, the very first and second chapters uh, pull from what my brother, finally was able to share he had not shared with anyone counselor uh, girlfriend uh, our father our mother anything for years mind you and when he realized what i was doing he sat down and over a, a glass of lead slinger's whiskey there's a plug <laughs> he he began to share and open up and he told me he said get your notebook and he spilled his guts and he said the names of men that he had not spoken since they took their last breath. And, um, and in the beginning of the book, um, I have the opportunity to use the name of the soldier that he served with wow. and, um, and tell a bit of that story. And so I think it real seriously, I mean, these books are, um, intended to be a love letter to the veteran and most boss community. When I say healing, hope, and understanding, it's, it's for everybody that's involved with anybody that takes up arms. Uh, internationally, um, 
I don't want to jump around, Adam, but the 4th of July, I had a Kickstarter campaign running. And on the 4th of July, I received a contribution from a woman in England, a fantastic supporter of this. I didn't realize that uh, she's, she's a Brit uh, from there, and she is in a relationship with an American soldier uh, who is still fighting the fight right now um, overseas. And she's a business owner. Uh, in the UK, and she um, made a significant contribution financially to the Kickstarter on the 4th of July. And I figured in the scheme of life, if all that we can turn on the news or any media uh, network and see all the the terrible uh, that there is to see, a British woman on the 4th of July contributed to an American patriot financially on the day we celebrate our independence from her nation. And I thought, there's still some really, really good stuff happening in this world. And so it's very encouraging. Um, just tremendous. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've taken on the, the full uh, persona of a writer and author and speaker. I, I'm fortunate to be able to, to share now um, to bring your question full circle. I got the invitation to speak at the military transition seminar by Raider Project in Dallas View, hosted in Dallas, Texas this year. Yeah. And that was a real treat because I attended the previous year and then I was invited to be the closeout keynote for the next year. Um, just a tremendous humbling experience uh, to be able to share the stage with um, some of those uh, that were able to, to bring their message in you know, hope and inspiration along the way. Uh, Jay Thane of uh, Rogue America and Apparel yep. um, works closely with Wes Whitlock. Um, he's become a very dear friend, somebody that I love checking up on and seeing the, the growth and success of. Um, so many others. I mean, Josh Hansberger and, uh, uh, and, and um, Brandon and Chelsea Taylor, phenomenal pillars in the veteran and middle spouse community and just networking and staying close with good people um, that understand this mission and want to help move it forward. You know, Adam, there's, there's still a lot of good going on and I'm glad to be a part of it. And that's good. So doc, we're gonna, um, what I want to do is, is ask you now, cause we're getting, coming up on time here in a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, first, first and first and foremost, people that are listening to this and they want to follow you, how can somebody reach out to you? Where can they follow you? So I'm, I'm on the major channels, uh, Facebook, Doc Collins, uh, Instagram, Patriot Heart Media. So at Patriot Heart Media, that's where you'll see me working out. You'll see me talking about my speaking engagements, my books, everything. Um, I'm on Snapchat uh, at Doc Collins, um, Twitter at Real Doc Collins. So I, I do stay um, available. My HQ is PatriotHeartPress.com, www.PatriotHeartPress.com. If you're serious about finding out more about the books and how uh, they work, I've got um, an email list that you can subscribe to and you'll get free chapters, that kind of thing. Um, I actually posted uh, all except for one chapter on my Facebook wall that I've read live on video um, for free. So you can really get my book. Uh, <laughs> I'll read to you uh, in my voice, um, tears and all. Um, it's it's been a real experience, 
And uh, just four weeks ago tomorrow, tomorrow will be episode four of Patriots Heart Radio, my podcast where I go behind the scenes on life as an author and speaker. Uh, I share about 35 minutes on uh, the Dangerous Grounds Network. Um, all of that's on the website. So uh, I'm available. I'm out there. And I want people to know that I am accessible and I do care. Um, but I'm also extremely busy. So um, when I started with one book, it turned to five quickly. Um, landed a three-book deal with Scholastic that I'll be co-authoring with my sons very shortly. Nice. Um, and then other veterans through this process have shared their life stories and combat stories and intimate stories with me in confidence in hopes that I'll be able to ghostwrite them. So I have the next seven to 10 years worth of work already in my lap, Adam. Jeez, that's absolutely awesome. That's awesome. Doc, I want to ask you, and you kind of touched on it, and I got a feeling what you're going to say. But the show that you're on is called The Decision Hour, and you've, you've given quite a few decision hours right now, but I'm going to ask you. What's the one decision hour that you remember where your feet were on the line and you had to make a decision, whether it was to leave the military, start your own business, leave your business that you had started that you were telling us about to join the military um, or whatever, or, or, or maybe maybe it was writing the book, but pick one of those times, the decision hour, your feet are on the line. It's time for you to make that decision. What would the atmosphere like and explain that to the listeners? I'm never a fan of the immediate taking place of the importance in life. Um, this will be an instance where it's more recent. It's very important. So recently, I found myself faced with the decision to either be stuck in a loss, making a life choice, taking the loss, and sitting in it or just charging forward, um, pushing myself into overtime, if you will, if you want to keep a sports analogy uh, alive. So I have just recently, after relocating, I cashed in all my chips um, this April and moved to lower Alabama. Um, took a gamble on that. And Carl actually helped me get here um, through his guidance. It was not the call I hoped it would turn out to be. And so now I have had to readjust and my focus has become my sons at this point. So Titus and Maximus are my, um, I'd say 50 meter target to get back to from here. Um, it's about, it's about legacy. And I, I realized that through the course of uh, the, the middle of 2017, that my main mission is legacy. And without that, I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, I've got to get back to be close to my sons, and I'm on a mission to do that. And I'm, it's a calculated mission, Adam. Uh, there are steps to that. So I'm making a move to Pensacola, Florida, to be close to the airport. I can Uber around. Every minute counts. I'm on the phone. Um, I've become that guy I used to make fun of in the coffee shops. Um, always on my phone. I've got my AirPods in, and I'm you know, constantly in my notebook doing my business and I'm a slave to my calendar. But it is the decision to pursue legacy over anything immediate. And so one of the things that I've discovered about myself is that I'm a scary patient. 
I don't think and I won't hedge at all, Adam. And so when I say I have seven to ten years worth of work in my lap, I mean it when I say I've crossed that threshold mentally and emotionally. And if I didn't get a paycheck on all that work until seven to ten years from now, I'd be all right. It's a self awareness, Adam. That's, I have more recently yeah. and that's come a, to that line and stared it in the face. And that's the direction I'm going. I tell you what, that and that's awesome because there's not a lot of people out there that can say that, Doc. Doc, last question for you. Somebody that's listening to this right now, their feet's on the line. It's their decision hour. They have to make a decision. They don't know what to do. What's Doc going to tell them to do? What advice can you give them? It's a two-part. Coming from a romance author, keep that in your head. Here's the quote. You can't get romantic about stuff. You can't get romantic. Whatever it was that got you to where you were, uh, to some level of success, or it worked out like this before, doesn't mean that's how it's going to be going forward. Things are changing. You have to change with those things. Resilience is a word that gets thrown around without a clear understanding of the definition, I believe, often. So self-awareness is going to lead you to the realization that you cannot be romantic about stuff and that meritocracy is a difference. Um, veterans are either on one side of the fence uh, or the other, usually, with, I don't want anything from anybody, I'm good. And then the other side of the fence is, people owe me, society owes me, I'm do this, I'm entitled to this, X, Y, Z. And the fact that meritocracy is the deciding factor is if you're good, then good. But if you're not, nobody owes you anything. You need to adjust. You have to figure it out. Now, it doesn't mean you have to figure it out on your own. I mean, go on with your others. But don't get romantic about stuff. You know, life is going to be what it's going to be. And it's up to us to navigate those waters uh, with our chin up and our chest down. Love it. Love it. Folks, Doc's, Doc Collins. Doc, I appreciate your time today. We're going to have all of your information up on our social media sites uh, for the show and for uh, Heroes Media Group as well. So uh, those of you that are listening, make sure you check out the pages and you can get Doc's information. Make sure you follow him on his social media platforms. Check out his books and stuff on Amazon as well. We'll have that information up as well. Uh, Doc, I appreciate your time today. So great. Adam, I had a blast. Thank you so much. What a great interview. Doc Collins, everybody. I'm glad and honored to be able to call that man a friend. Author, radio host, and just all around American, great American badass. Uh, love the guy to death. Uh, we're going to have his information up uh, here on the uh, social media sites as well as the website. Make sure you check out his books as they're coming out on Amazon here soon. That's all the time I have today, folks. Again, special thanks to Doc for coming on, taking time out of his busy schedule. And a huge thanks to our network, Heroes Media Group. Look at all the shows. They are growing rapidly. They're covering a lot of sporting events. I just love what they're doing. I love being a part of Heroes Media Group. Check out the great sponsors that they have uh, as well. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.